We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey Chargers fans, the Chargers have a very big job to do in these next couple weeks. They're going to try to find a coach that takes them to the Super Bowl. But you have a very big job these next few weeks too. Valentine's Day is right around the corner and your mother's starting to get a little bit concerned about whether you'll find Mrs. or Mr. Wright in your life. So... I got a couple tips for you. One, you got to stop being so socially awkward and anxious and stop listening to so many podcasts like I do. But two, you got to go to manscaped.com and use the code word guilty for 20% off to get you the Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0. I mean, this thing works wonders down there or wherever you want to shave, and I think it'll help you a little bit in the bedroom. But you can use the code word guilty to get 20% off your first purchase. Again, get the Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0. It's helped me, Stephen, and Tyler a lot, and it can help you this Valentine's Day season as well. Hey, Chargers fans, welcome into another episode of the Guilty as Charged podcast with Steven, Tyler, and Alex. Obviously, Tyler is not with us today, so it's just me and Alex. Alex, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, we just talked to Nick Hamilton, who, you know, can can fill a 60-minute radio show uh, with, with his uh, with his dialogue. So, you know, we, we're, we're refreshed and ready to go because he talked a lot more than we did. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of fun talking with Nick, and we'll get to that interview right here in a second. Um, I mean, you all know why we're here. We're here to talk about the coaching hire and, and how that's going. And we're going to give an update on that. Um, and then, like I mentioned, the interview with Nick Hamilton. And then Alex and I are going to do a little fun uh, ranking the the coaching availabilities. Obviously, there's been a lot of things that have changed over the past couple of days in, in Houston specifically uh, and Jacksonville over the last couple of days. So we'll get into that. 
Um, but let's get a, let's get into the update on how this coaching search is going. Um, we know so far that they have interviewed Eric Bieniemy and Joe Brady. Um, Alex, what what if anything do you make of, of those two guys being the first interviews? Uh, I mean, it made sense. Uh, you know, when you talk about Joe Brady's already, the Panthers are eliminated. The Chiefs have the first round bye, which is the whole rule about. Um, you know, it's it's weird to me still that that's a thing that the enemy gets to interview before everyone else because the Chiefs got the bye, but uh, it is what it is. So they both make sense. Uh, and, you know, we'll still get, I think Garrett, they said, is today or is Garrett um, over the weekend? What was the update on him? So Jason Garrett is being interviewed today uh, on Friday as we're recording this. Um, okay. So so right now we know that Eric Bieniemy, Joe Brady have been interviewed and Jason Garrett is today. Right. Yeah. So we're going to have uh, Bieniemy, Brady, Garrett, uh, and then Salah pretty much all done over the weekend. Uh, and then Eberflus, yeah. uh, Staley, and Dable obviously all play this weekend. So then they'll be available next week. Uh, and we don't know what they're uh, Arthur Smith is uh, also uh, yep. because he's also playing this week with the Titans. Uh, so we'll see how that pans out. I think Brady and the enemy are two very possible candidates. Uh, you know, people talk about Brady because of his age and, you know, can you take a chance on that? But I think if they really think he's the best guy, then they'll go with him. Uh, and if they really think he can be the next Sean McVay, it's just all about what's their confidence in that. Uh, the enemy, uh, I think was an interesting interview. I didn't totally know if they would interview him, but they, they uh, did request him when we were recording the episode last time. Uh, and I think, you know, he makes a lot of sense. I mean, he's the most sought after offensive coordinator, uh, I think, in this class. You know, we talk about Dable and specifically his food with Chargers, but now the enemy has been interviewed by everyone except the Houston Texans, which is <laughs> who we'll get to when we talk about Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's um, that's I mean, the fact that he's been interviewed by every team, you know, he's uh, he's one of the top candidates because of his work with Mahomes and Reed. Uh and I, I just think, you know, if you can get him, uh, we're both skeptical about him and how much role he has in that offense. But it, it wouldn't shock me if the Chargers decided uh, to go with him. The enemy going with the Chargers, though, might be more surprising because you do have to play Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid yeah. um, twice a year if he does get multiple offers, uh, presumably from like an Atlanta uh, or somebody like that. So. We'll see how that all plays out, but uh, yeah, no, I'm pretty fine with these coaching interviews so far, and we'll see if we can. Uh, we'll see what happens with Jason Garrett because that that'll yeah. be an interesting one. Yeah, you know, we we talked with Nick Hamilton about Jason Garrett briefly too, and so I think you know he had some good thoughts on that. Um, you know, the whole thing with Eric Bieniemy for me really just comes down to: Are you trying to replicate what the Chiefs are doing, or are you trying to build your own culture, your own thing? And, and you know, we've seen really throughout this league history that copying someone within your division just doesn't really work. And, you know, we've seen, or even in your same conference, like the Houston Texans have been trying to do forever. And, you know, Miami with Brian Flores, that remains to be seen, but, you know, traditionally speaking, I, I just feel like it's better to hire a coach and forge your own path than trying to copy someone within your own division. And like you mentioned, if I'm Eric B I'm not touching the Chargers job because I don't want to play Patrick and Eric and Andy Reid for, you know, twice a year for the rest of my coaching tenure. I just, I, I know that there's, you know, a lot of people are like, well, that's a, a cop. And it's like, well, would you like, would you want to play your mentor and your protege, you know, twice a year? I, I don't know. I, I just wouldn't do that. So um, like Alex mentioned, uh, 
We have confirmed interviews or interview dates with everybody except for Arthur Smith, Brandon Staley, and Brian Dable. So, you know, I think of that crowd, I, I don't know when we're going to see an interview for Brian Dable because I think they're probably the team that goes for, uh, furthest in the playoffs, you know, outside of the Chiefs. But, you know, like Alex mentioned, you have the, the bye week that they can interview him. So um, I, I would assume, you know, get, you know, if the uh, the Rams are able to lose, are able to lose that sounds so mad but um, you know once the rams lose i think that we'll see an interview with brandon saley relatively quick next week and same thing with the titans and arthur smith so you know we'll have to see when those come out but um you know i think this is you know drudging along at the, at the pace that i thought it would happen and you know, i think we're probably looking at two to three weeks potentially longer if brian dable makes it far enough i think both of us still think view him as kind of the favorite for the job um, but I, I think this has been a good start for the for the coaching search. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a reason to root for Philip Rivers this week if you want to see uh, Brian Dable become yeah. <laughs> uh, available yeah. uh, more quickly. I, I think the rule is they still can interview him, but I don't know yeah. what the Bills' policy will be on that and what his kind of vision will be on doing interviews so quickly. So we'll have to you know kind of wait and see uh, how that plays out. But um, yeah, and I, I guess the other big coaching news was uh, Urban Meyer is officially meeting with the Jags. Uh, so that is yeah. definitely a name to watch. The Chargers have stated some kind of interest in him per reporting. Um, you know, it, it, it's a little bit funny to me that the two candidates that the Jaguars are inter- have interviewed are Eric Bieniemy and Urban Meyer, which is uh, Rooney Rule, and we want to hire Urban Meyer. Uh, so <laughs> that's um that's a, a bit you know too obvious Jags but um yeah, it is. yeah so I I, th- I think that it'll, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out I still wouldn't be shocked if Urban or Jim Harbaugh met with the Chargers at some point because it seems like uh Jim Harbaugh's contract extension continues to happen and also doesn't uh because it seems like they're just kind of at an impasse with money and years yeah. and all these things so we'll see how that plays out but um I, I just, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for the coaching search. I honestly like the candidates they've been interviewed so far in uh, Joe Brady and uh, Eric Bieniemy. Uh, I would be fine if either one was hired. They're not my favorite. Uh, that would still be Arthur Smith. But, you know, if they go with either of those two, I think there's, you know, damn good reason to go with both of them. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, really, Jason Garrett is really the only wild card of this group. You know, I think all the other ones, they definitely have. Uh, you know, a lot of intrigue and excitement about them. And so, you know, we'll see. A lot of people have asked me about Urban Meyer. I think he's kind of got his eyes set on Jacksonville. And then if he doesn't like what he hears today or tomorrow, whenever that meeting is, I think then he'll turn his attention towards the Chargers. Um, and, and, you know, we'll have to see when that one one starts up. And then, you know, the other coaching news, obviously, is Jim Harbaugh, who we did talk about with Nick, you know, quite extensively. Um it seems like he's leaning towards going back to Michigan. Um, you know, that, that contract extension has just been a mess because he's been, you know, so indecisive about what he wants to do in terms of going back to the NFL or going back to Michigan. Um, it was reported today that he is, you know, close to an extension with Michigan, but, you know, given his, uh, the way that he has changed his mind in the past, I don't know if that's going to happen anytime soon. So let's get to this interview with Nick Hamilton, you know, at Nick Hamilton, LA, follow him on, on social media. Uh, it really was a fantastic interview for us and we really enjoyed chatting with him. And so here you go. 
Hey, Chargers fans, welcome back to the Guilty as Charged podcast. Alex and I are so happy to be joined now by Nick Hamilton, who does a fantastic job covering the Chargers and really all things L.A. sports related. He's been doing a lot of good stuff for the Lakers as well. Nick, thanks for taking the time to join us. And how are you doing today? Hey, man, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. First and foremost, it wouldn't be L.A. if I didn't say rest in peace to the late great Tommy Lasorda, uh, who passed away at the time of this podcast recording. So. Uh, you know, condolences out to his family and, you know, Dodger Nation as well. Yeah, good call on that one. I, you know, that was, you know, obviously it's hard to see these things kind of come in, but, uh, you know, Dodgers fans, that's definitely a tough day for them. Um, before we get started with the, the coaching news and stuff like that, I haven't watched any basketball recently. How are the Lakers doing? And I know they made a lot of changes. What do you think of the Lakers' chances this year? I think they have a very strong chance. It's going to be a little harder. I mean, on Thursday night, uh, they play lackluster defense as if they had tuxedos on. They were going to a formal <laughs> dinner. Um, it was, in the words of, of Anthony Davis, their defense was S-H-I-T. Um, <laughs> and those are, those are his quotes, not mine. Um, and, you know, I, I think the Lakers are adjusting. I mean, with the new players that they have with Montrez Harrell and Dennis Schroeder and uh, Wes Matthews and, and Marcus Gasol and those guys, um, I think it's going to take time uh, for, you know, I think it's going to take time. I think it's going to take time for them to actually gel in a sense where it's, you know, it takes about 15 to 20 games. Um, you, you have guys that are returned from the championship regime, but also you have new guys that have to get acclimated to the system, um, how to play together. And that's something that LeBron James and Anthony Davis have mentioned uh, for the last several games that, hey, it's going to take our rhythm has got to still be there consistently. Our timing has got to get down. And, you know, again, when you're the champions, the bullseye is always on your back. So you're going to have teams that are going to play you right. much harder than teams played them last year because they weren't the champions. So um, as they go into this 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 repeat year, um, you're going to have peaks and valleys. I mean, LeBron James, uh, his minutes are going to be regulated at times, especially on back to backs uh, when they go through four games and five nights type of stretches. Um, you're going to see those things. Anthony Davis, uh, you know, his minutes are going to be regulated at certain times to preserve them for that playoff push. Because in Lakerland, all is cared about are championships. We don't, they don't care about regular season, you know, Pacific Division titles. They don't care about, you know, individual accolades are great, but the Lakers are about championships. And if they right. can't be well and ready and rested for the cha- for a championship run, then the season is a bust. Yeah, um, so I'm not quite acclimated to the whole championship or bust thing because I've been a Sixers fan my whole life. Uh, so <laughs> I'm sorry so to hear that. <laughs> yeah, so so we're kind of like, hey, seven and one is seven and one. Like, can we hang the banner? You know, Tobias Harris won. Tobias Harris won Player of the Week. We gotta <laughs> celebrate. Yo, you know, um, the Sixers are actually playing some good ball right now. I mean, they they yeah. Doc Rivers has really got those guys in, in motion and really heading in the right direction. And so, I mean, anything can happen this season, especially in the Eastern Conference with seventy two games. Yeah. But right now, the Sixers are looking pretty well. They leave they leave them alone and not make any trades for a, a bearded individual. I think they might be okay. <laughs> yeah, um, it, it was just crazy to you know see last night because you talked about how the lakers look bad and the sixers were the back-to-back sixers last night <laughs> where they had a back-to-back game and you know played the nets and lost but uh yeah this is a chargers podcast why did I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah let's get started on the chargers talk um obviously you know that we are here to talk about the coaching hire or, or the coaching shirts i should say uh i just want to get your general thoughts on their decision to fire anthony lynn you know it certainly seemed like 
I don't, you know, the last four games, I don't know how much they meant, but they did win the last four games. Uh, what were your thoughts on them firing Anthony Landon? Do you think it was the right decision? Um, if it was the right decision, it, has remained, it remains to be seen because we don't know who's going to come in after Anthony Lennon. Obviously, there's a 2021 season that has to be played. Yeah. Um, so I think the jury is still out on that, um, depending on who they decide to hire. But as far as Anthony Lynn is concerned, uh, he finished with a record of 33 and 31 overall in his four-year tenure with the Chargers. Um, one thing that when I spoke with a lot of the players during the exit interviews and even the day after they won and beat the Kansas City Chiefs, the one word they used was leadership. The one word we, when we spoke with general manager Tom Telesco during his press conference, he spoke leadership. And I think that's something that Anthony that cannot be replaced by Anthony Lynn as the football coach. Um, I think there were a lot of things that went on behind the scenes. Um, there were some decisions that should have been made sooner that Anthony Lynn kind of, you know, it appeared that he drug his feet on um, as far as special teams was concerned. Uh, you know, certain play calls um, when they were losing one score games and multiple times that they were losing one score games this season, um, that changes could have been made. And I think that the, the nail in the coffin was the Patriots 45 to nothing loss. I mean, they got the Krispy Kreme award for God's sakes uh, yeah. for, from a team that wasn't even playoff bound. Uh, they, he was just out coached by Bill, Bill Belichick and he was outplayed by the New England Patriots. Um, and I think that was the nail in the coffin. I mean, when, when Tom Telesco was asked when the decision was actually made to fire Anthony Lynn, um, he said, no, we, we waited until after the season, meaning after the Kansas City game, which to me, it seemed more like they made that decision right after that New England Patriots game. I think they had a high respect for Anthony Lynn at the time. They didn't want to fire him. And it didn't make much sense to fire him after the Patriots game because they right. weren't really going anywhere. So you might as well let them finish it out. They did finish strong at 4-0. They finished with a 7-9 record. And a lot of players, I think some players were surprised um, at the firing of Anthony Lynn, being that he had one year still left on his deal. I personally am under the, the, under the understanding that I think more than just Anthony Lynn should have been fired. Um, and something I even asked general manager Tom Telesco, you know, do how strong do you feel your job security is based upon you're going into your third head coaching hire. Your previous two head coaches have not even made the AFC championship or dare I say, sniff the draws of a Super Bowl. So how do you explain the yeah. fact that you should remain general manager under your tenure when you were the one responsible for making those hires. And now we're going on a third head coach. So what's really going to be the difference? Um, he, he pretty much talked about, you know, how the, the future was bright, how the talent was going to be there. They actually are in a good draft position, which I do agree with him there. They are in a pretty good draft position um, when it comes to, you know, trying to acquire more talent, uh, which is true. Uh, they're not, you know, they're not at the bottom of the barrel when it comes to the first round. So you never know what you can get. I mean, trades could happen where they can move up maybe and possibly in the top 10 spot. Um, you never know what's going to, to transpire on draft day, as, as we all know. But when I look at this team overall, I said personally, and I've said this even on my radio show on TMA with Nick Hamilton. Um, I said that if you really want to make a splash and you really want to clean house and when you clean house you don't just clean one room you clean the entire house from top to bottom and i'm saying everybody not named spanos and not named pep hamilton uh should be replaced immediately and i said the two general manager hires that i thought should have been made were either to lewis riddick or rick smith 
because both of those gentlemen check off many boxes. Lewis Riddick is an incredibly intelligent, uh, has an incredibly intelligent football mind. I think he's still very much dialed in with the football community. Um, he has a you know he does a great job with ESPN. Um, and so, if you want to put your team on the map when you're competing in Los Angeles, which is a primarily Dodger and Laker town, and now the Los Angeles Rams are pretty much you know taking the market over when it comes to football and you're sharing a stadium with that same team and you want to make a splash, you get a guy who not only has network connections, but football connections who knows how to put things in his proper place. I said, as far as a head coach, there were a couple of names that I threw out there that I thought could not only benefit Justin Herbert, but also benefit the entire team because of what transpired, which is how you and I got into yeah. our Twitter <laughs> conversation. <laughs> uh, because I just felt like when you're the Los Angeles Chargers, you know, you need a I, I always felt like they need a rock star coach to get, really kick things off because I like Justin Herbert. Uh, I like his play. I think he's tough. I think he's gritty for a young guy. He looks like he's been playing in the league for at least a couple of years. Uh, he just has that that attitude. He just has that aura about him. But as far as vocally is concerned, he's not exactly the most vocal person publicly. Now, in the locker room. He's grown with his leadership abilities, which a lot of players have mentioned over the course of the season from week two to, yeah. to the end of the season. He's taken a more vocal role. He's taking more initiative. And I believe all of that because I think Justin Herbert is a football player in his truest form. However, when you're in Los Angeles in the second largest media market, Tinseltown, you need to be extra on extra when it comes to dealing with the media to sell yourself. And one mistake I believe his teammate, I would have never let him cut his hair. There's no way. <laughs> there is no way in hell I'm letting you cut your hair. You know why I say that? And I know people had jokes, and we 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 all laughed at the first the first remnants of, of his yeah. new haircut. Absolutely. But the main reason why was for three reasons for for three things. One was an endorsement deal because Justin Herbert was the quarterback of the Los Angeles Chargers, the first round pick of the Los Angeles Chargers at quarterback. We know the NFL is a quarterback driven league. So his face is going to be everywhere because he's the new, he's the fresh, fresh face in town. Yeah. I would have immediately went and got a head and shoulders deal and had him do commercials with Troy Palomalo <laughs> off top. <laughs> Secondly, I'm getting you an apparel deal, whether it's with Nike, Jordan brand, Adidas, Puma, somebody's getting an apparel deal with this kid. Third, I'm going to a local car dealership in LA and have him do commercials with a car dealership. <laughs> Just off the strength of what that is. Yeah. So this is what I'm saying. When you don't have a guy that's like that, you need a, you need a coach who's willing to boost up in the media. And that's why I said the names that I mentioned, even though I know I got with some pushback, like, you know, coaches is not college football. Coaches don't sell teams. But in this case, the Chargers need a kickstart as far as being able to have some eyes on their franchise even more so to be able to develop the franchise and get a, a, not only just a local presence, but a national presence. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I mean, you mentioned Urban Meyer, Jim Harbaugh, uh, you know, some of these uh, big name coaches. Uh, when you look at the actual team though, and, and kind of the X's and O's of it, um, who are, you know, like three guys you look at and say, you know, this would be a really uh, good scheme fit uh, and really good just coach and leadership fit with the Chargers. Well, you're saying outside of the two names that I mentioned? Yeah. I okay. mean, we'll get to Harbaugh and Meyer and then um, that debate. But, um, yeah, who are some of the other guys you like? 
I honestly like Robert Salah. I like his attitude. I like his grit. He's young enough to really be able to. He has. He's a great, effective communicator. When you talk uh, with some of the players from the 49ers, obviously he was the defensive coordinator up there. He really related to the players. He really, he really made sure he put players in the right positions to succeed and be able to make top-notch plays and to be able to play their position, whatever it may be. Um, and I think he's a great communicator. That's why he's getting a lot of interviews as of late. Um, you know, with various teams in the NFL, because he's one. Of, he's been one of the most sought after coordinators in the last couple of years uh, when it comes to that situation. Um, and if, if I'm the Chargers, if I could not get one of those two individuals that I named previously, I would strongly go after Robert Salah. Um, I know the Chargers, according to the reports of interview, Eric Bieniemy. Um, I think he's a, he's a good candidate as well. Um, been in the league a very long time, actually played for the Chargers once upon a time. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, he would be a good coach. You saw the success he's been having with Patrick Mahomes, who to me is one of the best quarterbacks in the game today. Um, that's not by accident. Even though Pat Mahomes is immensely talented, he has to still be coached. And that gentleman that was responsible for a, a large margin of his success, I know we like to give Andy Reid a lot of credit, which we should, but a lot of credit should also go to Eric Bieniemy. Um, I think Eric Bieniemy would be a good choice if the Chargers decide to move in that direction. Um, but those are the two guys. I know you said there are three, but those are the two guys to me yeah. that will best fit the Los Angeles Chargers moving forward. Um, and then you can still, and I will hold on to Pep Hamilton as much as I could because I think Pep does not yeah. get enough credit uh, being the quarterback's coach because he is an immensely talented individual who is responsible for Justin's development as much as Justin putting in the time and the work and the effort to develop himself. Um, when Justin talks about Pep Hamilton, I mean, they, the, though, that relationship started during a, a pandemic where they could not see each other eye to eye, face to face in the beginning um, as this pandemic unfortunately continued to, to move on. Um, and so they had to talk via phone. They watched film together and that relationship was cultivated over the course of time. And for a, a young man to not have had any rookie camp or a lot of OTAs or even training camp for that matter, uh, it, it, it speaks volumes not only for Justin Herbert, but for Pep Hamilton. So if I'm a head coach, as I said earlier, the only name I want to hold on to is Pep Hamilton uh, because he's done a phenomenal job. Uh, obviously, HBCU grad from Howard University. Uh, you know, he's done a phenomenal job with the development of Justin Herbert. I think he learned a lot from his last tenure being, I believe, in Indianapolis, uh, where he didn't have such a great go around. So, you know, I, I'm, glad, I'm glad he got a second chance uh, with the NFL franchise. And I'm glad his yeah. second chance happened to be an absolute stud. In, in Justin Herbert. Um, but those are the two coaches to answer your question, I think, uh, that the Chargers could go after if they don't get the other names uh, that you said earlier. Yeah, you know, the Pep Hamilton story is just so crazy. And, I, you know, Tom Telesco saying that no one met him face-to-face until the first day of training camp is just, you know, it's wild to me. And uh, when the when the Chargers fans first started, you know, on the fire Anthony Lynn hype train, you know, a lot of people were like, well, what about Pep Hamilton for head coach? I think that's a little rich for my personal taste, Mm -hmm. but I think, you know, definitely keeping him around for offensive quarter makes a lot of sense in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I I think, like I said, with the development, I think he's where his, where his position is, is perfect right now. Again, depending on who the coach, the future coach may be. Um, And we also asked Telesco, Hey, what if the, co- the new coach that you hire comes in and wants to pretty much buy his own groceries? You know, because they do have several coaches under contract still. Some have expiring contracts. Some are still currently under contract. And Telesco, according to what he said, 
hey, man, that that's the coach's choice. If he wants to keep some of our guys or he wants to let everybody go and bring in his own staff, we're all on board with it. So that remains to be seen. But, we'll, you know, he, he definitely addressed that as well. Yeah. So, you know, let's get to the, the Herbert Meyer and the Jim Harbaugh talk, because, you know, that's kind of what started this whole, you know, that's what prompted the interview. Right. And so, you know, I, I love it, man. I live. For this. <laughs> and I think I think it's it's important to get different viewpoints because, you know, Alex and I are both, you know, generally against Jim Harbaugh. I'm in favor of Urban Meyer. Alex isn't. Um, but let's talk about Jim Harbaugh first, because obviously, you know, he's won a lot of games wherever he's been. And I, I've never been able to dispute that because really this past season at Michigan is the first time that he's had a losing season in a very long time. My biggest thing is how he would fit Justin Herbert specifically, because I have my doubts about his reputation as a quarterback developer. And it's something that I said to you is that, Mm -hmm. you know, sure, he got the most out of Colin Kaepernick, but Colin Kaepernick didn't really make any viable steps of progression, in my opinion. Um, So do you think that the Jim Harbaugh hire would be beneficial for Justin Herbert and the team or more just beneficial because he could come in and win games? Well, I think you made a couple of good points on Twitter uh, when it came when it comes to you know Jim Harbaugh and his previous experience dealing with quarterbacks, as you mentioned. But here's what I would say, and a lot of people like to say this too. Here's a kid, and I'm talking about Colin Kaepernick at the time, comes out of Nevada. Nobody knows who he is really until a really a, a, the the late season push for a, a, a conference game and then a bowl game on top of that, and then people really got a chance to see, well, who is this kid, Colin Kaepernick? For the, the fact that Jim Harbaugh saw something in him, which a lot of coaches obviously did not, s- speaks volumes to me because it takes a special coach to figure to figure out, OK, this kid has something. Let me mold it. Let me cultivate it. Let me shape it. And then let's see what he's going to bring to the table. Alex Smith was not used properly pre Jim Harbaugh. Let's be honest about that. And he didn't yeah. have a swag and the attitude even when he left to go to Kansas City after he was traded to even deal with some of the things. And I think to me, Jim Harbaugh instilled a certain level of confidence. Not to say the man wasn't confident already, but he instilled a certain level of confidence as a quarterback, especially after you lost your job due to injury and then was traded and moved on with another franchise. And to me, the way that Alex Smith was developed, the difference, the diff, the doing, being able to do different things uh, with the football, being able to, be a, a a leader, so to speak, I think some of that credit does go to Jim Harbaugh, but also too, to develop a brand new quarterback that nobody, and a different style of quarterback, I might add, uh, that wasn't traditional in Colin Kaepernick, to be able to develop Colin Kaepernick. And this is a guy that took a team to a Super Bowl and was one quarter away, if the lights didn't go out somehow, somewhere, <laughs> of winning a, a Super Bowl championship. And then also you talk about his numbers. Yes, yeah, some of his numbers did decline, but you got to look at the overall team in its totality. Look at the team that he had to deal with and the scheduling that he had to deal with. I'm not making excuses for Colin Kaepernick at all, but we, if we're going to get into numbers, see, numbers only tell one side of the coin. Let's flip the coin and look at the rest of it and how it came to how it came about with those numbers. And then also, too, Colin Kaepernick had a better 2015 than a 2016 season when he was more sought after after 2016 than he was in 2015. That's fact. So that goes to also that also goes in part to Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh has always been a good quarterback developer. So the reason why I said I mentioned Jim Harbaugh 
is because Jim Harbaugh has a way with quarterbacks, him being a former quarterback himself. Now, I'm not high as you are maybe when it comes to the Michigan side because I think college college uh, football is a whole different ball game, and he hasn't really impressed me with, the, with, with his time at Michigan, which is why I think yeah. some of the contracts – uh, negotiations have stalled in certain ways because I think it's it's just it's language um, that they're trying to to work out. But if I'm the Los Angeles Chargers, this is a golden opportunity for me. This is what this is maybe the football guys are trying to tell me something. Hey man, they're stalling with this contract. Let me pull up the Brinks truck and see what he's talking about. Um, so I look at that as far as the development of of Justin. I know Pep and and Jim have a good relationship from previously working together many many years prior. Um, so I don't think any changes would happen with that. But uh, I just think overall with Justin, with the offense, I think that would be a really solid move. And you got a guy that's not afraid to talk to the media. He's not a great. He's not afraid to boast. You saw that in San Francisco. You saw that Stanford. He's not afraid to put it, put the team out there, talk to the media. You know, he to me, he almost reminds me of a modern day football Don King. He's going to put the team out there. He's going to speak the way he's going to speak. He doesn't care who likes it, who doesn't like it. This is who he is. And I love that about Jim Harbaugh. But Jim Harbaugh does produce results. I mean, think about this. In his NFL career, in his NFL coaching career, the worst season he had was eight and eight. That's a 500 record. Some coaches would love to have a 500 record in their, and that being their worst record in their football tenure. So I think Jim Harbaugh would be a good move. Um, and then I said, you know, with Urban Meyer, you know, I know he's beating with the Jacksonville Jaguars brass. Um, yeah. But I think if you're the Los Angeles Chargers, I think it's not so much Urban Meyer. I think it's the coordinators that he's bringing with him. The NFL, you know, ready and in and, 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 uh, the NFL style coordinators that he's going to bring to the team. Because Urban is only going to manage the team, much like how we see Bill Belichick be the CEO of the franchise. And according to Jim Trotter, uh, the NFL Network Insider, he said, you know, something that the Chargers are going to be looking at is somebody who can be a CEO of sorts when it comes to this coaching hire. So if you look at Urban Meyer, that's which is why the Chargers still have Urban Meyer on their list, because he can be a CEO type. Now, it's going to be a difference with Urban Meyer, because if he had struggles and he's having, quote unquote, health issues with college. Yeah. Think about the health issues you're going to have in the NFL. So. Yeah. That is something to keep in mind as well. I'm not throwing any shade on Urban Meyer, but I think if you're going to look at Urban Meyer as the name, as a rock star name, I think he checks boxes as well. But I think Urban's going to want to be able to buy the groceries and he want to have some type of control or say so when it comes to team personnel issue. You're not coming off the Fox college football set just to be somebody's puppet. You're coming off there to say, okay, if you want my services and who I'm going to align myself with, then I got to have some say so in team personnel issues and management. And so I think if you're looking at the ownership aspect as well, and I like Dean Spanos, I think, you know, a lot of people hate Dean Spanos, obviously for moving from San Diego to LA, but I can't hate the man for wanting to get his money. First of all, nobody, the city (laughs) wouldn't build him a stadium and all you San Diego that are mad. Oh, well, get over it. I'm from L.A. We're in the second largest market. Whatever it is, what it is. People want to come to L.A. because it's a bigger market. That's what it is. Boo hoo. At the end of the day, it's a (laughs) business decision. Okay, it is a business decision. This is why he went and migrated north to L.A. to build to increase his franchise, because the city 
could not build him a stadium. And that Qualcomm stadium was an absolute dump. It was one of the was. worst in the league. The be- the worst one in the league was Oakland Alameda Coliseum, which is still a dump to yep. this day. <laughs> okay? So to me, my whole thing is the man moved to L.A. Okay, fine. And I understand fandom. I understand they were, they were hurt because the team moved. The team has been there since 1961. I get it. There's generations of Charger fans in San Diego. When you think of San Diego, you think of the Chargers outside of the Padres. So I get that. Um, but at the end of the day, I think, you know, Dean made the smartest decision for his team. But can he hold on to his team and be able to compete in a market now where you're going to have to spend money? We saw his 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 you know what do they call it um the fight for la thing well not so much the fight for la but i'm i'm trying to um his landlord so to speak in stan Kroenke. Oh. you see stan Kroenke has has money to burn so to speak I mean, he just gave jalen ramsey 105 million dollars and he's worth every single penny by the way but are you able to shell out that type of money for that type of player if you come across it that's that's the issue i mean you're looking at derwin james who is completely a game changer when he's healthy and when he's in the game, you have to make sure if you're a, 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 a offensive coordinator of another team, you got to make sure you got to know where Derwin James is at all times. Right. Um, and according to Tom Telesco, they're going to pick up his fifth year option, but it would have, if, if Derwin has an incredible year next year and just start setting records, then you're going to have to pay him. Are you willing to pay him top dollar? Because he's definitely worth top dollar. If he performs at that level, um, so there's a lot of question marks when it comes to the ownership. Can they afford to bring in good players and top-notch players along with the head coach uh, that can get this team rolling in the right direction? Um, I'm not sure about that. And I think that's maybe some hesitance on some people's parts moving forward, uh, which is why they have, a, you know, the Chargers have a long list of candidates um, moving forward. So it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. But I do think that, um, if you're looking at Urban Meyer, if you're looking at Jim Harbaugh, you need a rock star name. Those are the two names that I I, I would have. And I would lean a little bit more um, if I could uh, to try to at least, you know, poke around, kick the tires a little bit and see how much I can get with Jim Harbaugh if I could. The only thing I would say, you know, in regards to like Will Dean Spanos pay for his players. I mean, he did just give one hundred twenty five million dollars to Joey Bosa and eighty million to Keenan Allen. So I do think he is willing to spend, uh, you know, we'll see how that continues and whether he'll give money to Derwin James. Obviously, if Justin Herbert keeps playing the way he's playing, eventually he plays himself into a Mahomes type contract. Um, in regards to Meyer, speaking of Mahomes, Mahomes can inflict a lot of health issues on people, too. Um, <laughs> that's, that's my yeah. that's a little bit my concern with Urban Meyer. Yep. Um, and, you know, I I do think that there is something to what Steven has said before, which is like, you know, NFL GMing is like similar to recruiting and all that. But like, I don't know if I want to make Urban Meyer the CEO, you know, managing the draft and managing, you know, everything that comes with it when he has all these stress related health problems. So that's my thing with him. I I also favor um, Harbaugh over Meyer a little bit if I had to choose one because he did have that NFL success. Um, as you said, and, you know, just that there's a way to get him out of Michigan. Uh, I think he would be better in the pros. Uh, the, the style of offense he runs, though, is kind of interesting. Steven has used the term archaic. Um, I wouldn't know if I don't know if I'd go that far. 
Um, but that's kind of my concern with him a little bit uh, as well. So outside of coaching, uh, when it comes to player decisions, what do you think, you know, draft, free agency, uh, whatever they're going to do with their team this season? And obviously, I think you've seen the contracts and, you know, what there is to be done. What do you think is the most important thing uh, they have to do uh, in the offseason aside from coaching? I think they have to rebuild that O-line. At the end, well, not rebuild, but I think they have to strengthen that O-line. I think left tackle is a, is a, is a need they need to address. Um and I was not to say I want them to to lose because I want I, I like to see the teams that I covered be as successful as possible. But if they weren't going to finish maybe a three and thirteen or a four and twelve, they could have possibly finished maybe in the top three, top five. And if you do that, there's a kid out of Oregon at left tackle that could be you know a serious game changer. Much uh, you know like we've seen other offensive linemen you know have come into this league be game changers. Um, but unfortunately now they won't have that opportunity. So I think left tackle is one need that needs to be addressed. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the running back situation as well. I know Joshua Kelly didn't have the greatest rookie year, but if you remember, neither did Melvin Gordon. But then the second year Melvin Gordon came on and really just surpassed a lot of expectations in his second year. So I still have hope for Joshua Kelly. I like the kid. I think he has a Magic Johnson type of smile. I think he's great. A great, you know, a great young uh, a back who's still learning and developing. Um, and I think eventually he will get it. Uh, but how much time do you have for him? To, and what is the margin of, of uh, what's the learning curve, I should say, for him moving forward behind Austin Eckler? Um, I think I think that the Chargers do need another tight end. Um, I think they need another wide receiver, um, which is why I asked the Slim Reaper at Alabama, who did he look up to? Uh, as far as wide receivers go, and he said, Slim Reaper, you know, I love that." <laughs> you know, the, he he said uh, Devontae Adams and Keenan Allen, <laughs> and I said, "Hmm, you imagine getting Keenan getting Keenan yeah. Allen at that piece to go all the, the, between him and Mike Williams? Goodness gracious, that's not yeah. even that's a cheat code. That's a Madden cheat code. That's not even fair." <laughs> you know, I think they, they they could use another tight end. I think on the defensive side of the ball, they're going to need another bookend because I don't think you bring Melvin Ingram back. Um, he hasn't really lived up to expectation, um, you know, and I think Melvin is a good player. I'm not taking anything away from Melvin. He's battled a lot of injuries this season, um, but I think Melvin is a good player, but I, I don't think he's lived up to expectation. And why would you spend more money on somebody that has not been proven? Um, you know, Nazir Adderley, I like him, but he hasn't really proven much. So let's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what they bring with him. Um, I do like the, the addition of Chris Harris Jr. I think Chris Harris still has a, another year left in the tank. And hopefully that year will be next year where he can remain healthy and really come on very, very strongly. Um, but there are some needs that need to be addressed. Um, you know, um, I like the, the I like the linebacker core with Kenneth Murray. I think he's going to be an absolute phenomenal stud. Um, I think this kid is dynamite. I think the, the, sky, the, the, the sky is the limit, as they say, with this kid. Um, I don't think they bring back Denzel Perryman. Um, I think, and I like Denzel. I think Denzel is a very personable type of guy. Yeah. Uh, but I think that, you know, it, his time has. Yeah. Well, that's going to be interesting specifically for Denzel because, you know, any money that you spend on him is, you know, less money you get to spend on, you know, Michael Davis or, you know, potentially Melvin Ingram. If you do decide to bring him back, like you said, though, I kind of think that, you know, the time has come for him. I, I think overall, you know, this is kind of why. You know, talking about the draft, I think a defensive head coach would be really interesting because, you know, you could reasonably see Robert Salah coming in and fixing the defense with the players that they have already. 
And then you go get Devontae Smith and you go get two or three offensive linemen. You go get a tight end potentially in the later round. So I think, you know, I think the time is now to go all in on this offense, like you mentioned, and give Justin Herbert all the weapons that he can possibly have. As much as I like Tyron Johnson and Jalen Guyton, they're probably not best suited for being a wide receiver three on a team. They're probably wide receiver four or five. And so, you know, same with Donald Parham being tight end two. I don't, I don't know about that. So I think that's an interesting idea to kind of float around that you, you get a defensive coach and then you go all in on offensive draft picks and and let all these young guys grow around Justin Herbert. Yeah, I think I think if you got a Robert Salah, my thing was I said, you know, if you get a Robert Salah as your head coach, obviously he's going to have to get a D coordinator as well um, yeah. just to kind of. But he he has that insight. So he knows what like you said, he knows what to look for. He knows how to be able to fix and work and coordinate with his defensive coordinator to get things together. And I also said, if you're going to pick an offensive coordinator, I think Jason Garrett, even though I know he's the offensive coordinator in New York, but I think you make him an offensive coordinator and a quote assistant head coach to kind of give him the incentive that you may be a head coach again, but you need to prove it through being an old coordinator. And I think he's, to me, I called him a modern day North Turner. I think he's, I think he's excellent when it comes to offense and being offensive coordinator, but he stinks as a head coach. He should (laughs) never, ever be a head coach ever again. He stinks. But as an offensive coordinator, he is, he's, he's one of the outstanding coordinators that you have in this league right now. Yeah. Um, So One of the things that I think about, and I'm not from Los Angeles. uh, I've actually never been to California. uh, Oh, man, after the uh, pandemic, you got to come on out here, man. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) I got to get out there and and get to a Chargers game eventually. Uh, But the question that I've always had looking from the outside in, and and you mentioned the Rams and the Chargers earlier, how that's going, and, you know, how L.A. is as a sports city. Um, what other than, you know, we talk about coaching hires and on the field moves and obviously consistent winning, but what other thing, you know, has to happen for the Chargers to uh, attract people in L.A. And, and get to a spot at least where the Rams are uh, or, you know, to, to kind of that extent where it's like, you know, they're not necessarily the best team in L.A. or the most favorite team, but people can look at them and say, you know, that's kind of respectable because right now they're still not quite at that level, uh, obviously, mm-hmm. in Los Angeles. Uh, so what do you think just organizationally and what what has to change kind of for that to happen? It's simple. Win a Super Bowl. It's that simple. L.A. is about winning. Um, this is why I've always said this is a Dodger and a Laker town. And at once upon a time, it was also a USC football town when Pete Carroll was the head coach uh, because Pete Carroll brought a certain attitude. Obviously, we didn't have the NFL in L.A. at that time. So that kind of sufficed for our NFL fix, so to speak, um, when he was, you know, competing for national championships, winning his, you know, winning the conference, um, having some of the best of the best uh, uh, on the field when it came to Matt, Matt Leiner and Reggie Bush and those guys. Um, but ultimately it was always a Dodger and a Laker town because these guys win championships and the Lakers have 17 championships. The Dodgers now have seven championships, um, but they are L.A. And that's what L.A. is about which is why we, you know, other is, is the, the, the pecking order is Dodgers, Lakers, and then everybody else. Um, the Rams have had success, some marginal success because they have made a Super Bowl appearance uh, since their return back in 2016, which was remarkable to say in such a short turnaround period uh, for them to even make the Super Bowl in that time yeah. was a remarkable was a remarkable sign. Uh, I think the Los Angeles Chargers now have to actually win a Super Bowl 
to even say, okay, you know what? Dang, let's take let's take a look at this Chargers team now. We can't make any more jokes. Yeah, you know, I, I think the excitement around Justin Herbert should definitely help out and, and definitely bring some eyeballs to the team. But they've, you know, Alex and I have said this coaching hire is probably the most important decision in franchise history because they really have got to, you know, figure this out and get things trending in a, in a more consistent direction. You know, you mentioned the eight and eight, you know. <laughs> I would take eight and eight every single year. I honestly would because, you know, the Chargers <laughs> low is, is, you know, five and 11 and it happens every other year. So, you know, I just, I, I'm really hoping that they get someone who can bring a level of consistency that frankly, this team hasn't had since the nineties. So um, in terms of when you think this hire could happen, what kind of timetable do you think we're looking at here? Man, it's anybody's guess. Any you, you mentioned earlier, it's the most important hire. It's probably one of the most attractive hires, too, in the league based upon the talent that they currently have. When you can pull Dean off the golf course and, and come up with his white pants on, you know it's serious when Dean wants to be a part of the coaching hire process. I know like, the previous time uh, he was dealing with the stadium issues and moving the team from San Diego to L.A., so he wasn't a part of it, uh, much like his son and, and Tom Telesco were. Um yeah, you know what's serious when Dean come off that golf course now. So I I, I know <laughs> it's going to be it's, they're going to take their time with the decision. I, I I believe they're not going to make a rush to judgment. I think they're going to you know really go through their news and notes and really just make try to make the best decision that they feel is is best for their franchise moving forward. Um, so it bet you're right. You it, it is an important hire. I don't know when it could be, you know, the week of the Super Bowl. It can we it can be during the playoffs. It can be after the Super Bowl. Like, who knows, you know, what they're doing um, in, in particular. I mean, we know that they've met with so, so many different coaches. Um, but when it comes to making a decision and then introducing that coach, um, that's going to take some time. And if you're the Chargers, you, can, you, you have time to take uh, because you are one of the most attractive hires in the league. Uh, when it comes to your culture vacancy. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see. I'm sorry. I don't know. I may have not answered your question. I, I don't want to dance around it like Puffy on the video shoot, but that's about <laughs> the best answer I can give. No, I think that is spot on. And, you know, I, you know, Tom Telesco is keeping everything under wraps right now. We don't even know. They, we know that they've interviewed two guys, but, you know, all the other teams, they're having their social media staffs, you know, send out tweets of, of who they're meeting with and with the Chargers. It's like, well, they could have already met with Jim Harbaugh and no one knows except for them. So um, definitely yeah, just saying they would have admired. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll have, we'll obviously keep an eye on it and Chargers fans, make sure you follow Nick Hamilton at Nick Hamilton, LA tune into his radio station. It's available on Sirius XM, iHeartRadio, and all the usual business. Nick, what do you have coming up uh, other than, you know, covering the coaching hire? Uh, besides that, we'll see what the Rams do this coming weekend up in Seattle. Uh, will they be sleepless in Seattle or will they go ahead and get the W? I don't know what's going to happen. So I'll be definitely covering that, uh, national championship, Alabama against Ohio state. Hopefully, uh, we'll continue on with that and the Rona will not interfere. Yeah. Um, also, and then we got Lakers Clippers coverage coming up along with the Los Angeles Kings. Cause damn it. The NHL is back. I'm so happy the NHL is coming back. It'd be good to be continue to be back in Staples Center at some point. Uh, so we got that coming for you. And then uh, obviously there are more movie, uh, Zoom movie premieres that we'll be covering as well on Nightcast Media. Uh, so make sure you tune in for that. And uh, thank you gentlemen so much for having me on. I greatly appreciate it, man. I'm glad we were able to talk on Twitter, but then be able to have an extensive conversation on yeah. this <laughs> program you guys have here. 
Thank you, Nick, so much. We appreciate your time and, and this conversation. And if anyone had their minds changed by by Nick Hamilton about Jim Harbaugh or Urban Meyer, please let us or him know. I think that was a really Maybe. fantastic conversation. <laughs> Maybe. Thank you. I don't know. Maybe one or two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Nick. Thanks so much, man. We'll look forward to seeing the rest of your work the rest of the offseason. Thanks, guys. And happy New Year to you both as well. You too. Thank you. All right. So that was Nick Hamilton. You know, he was very gracious with his time and and his insight. And I thought, you know, he made some good points uh, specifically about Jim Harbaugh. Um, I'll have to think about it a little bit more and maybe my, uh, my Jim Harbaugh hate will go, will uh, go down a little bit, but you know, we'll see if, even if, like I said earlier, uh, even if he is available, but uh, I thought it was a really good interview with Nick. Alex, did you have any other thoughts that you want to talk about um, from Nick Hamilton? I mean, yeah, um, just, you know, it, it's kind of the continued thing with the Chargers and uh, Los Angeles about, you know, what they need to do to, to win Los Angeles over. <laughs> and, and Nick put it pretty bluntly. You know, it's winning, winning a Super Bowl. Um, you know, we've seen how the Rams haven't quite stormed the market. You know, they did get a Super Bowl appearance, but L.A. cares about the Lakers and Dodgers and all the teams that win. Right. Yeah. And they're they're a bit of a. Fickle fan base, right? It, it's it's not <laughs> quite like you know the Chargers, where it's like, oh, we had one twelve and four season. That's really cool, um, <laughs> you know. So it's it's not quite like that. So there, there's higher expectations um, for Los Angeles fans, and uh, yeah, I mean, I've I've never been to LA as I, I've never been to California, as I said, but it's just um, it's just interesting to see you know how high the standard is, uh, and yeah. you know how high the Chargers will have to reach to, to win over LA if they want. Yeah, you know, I don't necessarily agree or disagree with, the, you know, the Super Bowl being kind of the difference. I just think L.A. needs to see the Chargers be more consistent, you know. Right. Nine and sure. seven, 12 and four, five and 11, seven and nine. You know, you just got to be more consistent. And I think that really is what it comes down to in terms of winning Los Angeles over. And I, I think, yeah, I said this with him. I think the Chargers are headed in the right direction because they have Justin Herbert. And, and we've seen, you know, the last few years, the best way to build a consistent winner is, you know, you get a great quarterback on a rookie contract and then you just, you go for it. Everything around him, you know, with the flexibility, with the rookie contract, they're in a great spot because of that. And so, you know, we'll have to see how this coaching search pans out and what they do in free agency and stuff like that. But, you know, they've got a bright roster and, and a bright future ahead. And I do truly believe that. So, it's speaking of a bright quarterback, man, this Deshaun Watson thing in Houston uh, <laughs> is just, it's so stupid. And, and this is a very friendly reminder that it can always be worse in terms of ownership, in terms of, you know, who's making decisions on your team. And, you know, maybe you could say that the Chargers wasted Phillip Rivers or, or whatever, but they're, they're not, they never handled a quarterback like the Texans are handling Deshaun Watson. And so, for those who don't know, he was informed that he was going to have input on their GM hire and their coaching hire, and he has not been contacted. He has not been given the opportunity to give his opinion, and they hired a GM without consulting him, and he requested that Eric Bieniemy be interviewed, and the Texans are the only team that has not in- interviewed Eric Bieniemy. They're also the only team that hasn't interviewed uh, Robert Salah, and-, and so I think they're doing a, a terrible job with Deshaun Watson, and... I don't think he's going to get traded, but I don't think he's going to be very happy anytime soon with the direction of the franchise. Yeah, it's a tough spot because, I mean, the Texans don't 
really have much motivation to trade him. I mean, like yeah. quarterback trades just don't happen in the NFL to the extent of Deshaun Watson, who is a top five quarterback, you know, barring injury or, you know, something like, you know, Carson Wentz who has regressed and, you know, the team is looking to maybe move on, but we haven't seen someone who's at the top of his game, like Deshaun Watson really get moved. Um, it, you know, <laughs> this isn't the NBA uh, in a way. So the fact that he's already this unhappy, uh, and I think this is the first year of his contract extension coming up. Yeah. Uh, that's not great. Um, and it, it could signal some uneasiness in the future. Um, we'll get to where the Texans kind of rank as a coaching destination, but not even, you know, I, I, I understand the GM thing at least. Um, cause it's like ownership owns the team and, and they want to hire their GM. But it's like the coach, like he just asked for Bianami to be interviewed. Like he didn't ask for Bianami to get the job or or do any of that. Right. Every other every other team is interviewing Bianami anyway, right? Like so, the fact that they're they just actively decided not to, like that's just kind of ridiculous. Um, the, the Patriots thing with Nick Casario, I mean, they you know wanted him for a long time and they weren't allowed to have him before. So I, I at least get that, but but even that is like okay if you pro, you know it's one thing if you didn't promise Deshaun that, but the fact that you promised Deshaun that he would have some input on the GM search and then right. backtracked on that, that's really the issue, um, and that's why I think Deshaun Watson has a lack of a lack of trust with the Texans right now, um, and I, I don't blame him one bit. It's it's just kind of a crazy situation to see you know eleven months ago after that loss to the Chiefs, it was like you know this is a team that can compete for Super Bowls for the next 10 years, right? You have Deshaun right. Watson, all-star, you know, uh, Pro Bowl quarterback, top five in the league. You have DeAndre Hopkins, who's the best receiver. And now it's just all falling apart because of Bill O'Brien and how ownership has communicated with that and how ownership is now communicating with Watson post O'Brien. Um, and a lot of people like to bash on Bill O'Brien. He did a bad job as GM and did a bad job as coach. But Bill O'Brien kind of masked what the overall problem was, which is, you know, how the Texans communicate with their players and the yeah. fact that their their new ownership following the death of uh, Bob McNair, just like it, it, they haven't been upfront with players and seem to not, you know, really want to deal with Watson when it comes to the to the franchise. And he's your franchise quarterback. So it, it's just kind of ridiculous how this is all play out and the fact that it's already coming out before contract extension. Like you said, I, I don't know if he's going to be traded. It is difficult to trade him, um, but it wouldn't shock me if he got dealt either. I, I think this is going to turn kind of ugly kind of fast. I could definitely see that happening, you know, and, and this isn't the first time that the Texans have been in the news with their ownership group, right? You know, we had the whole thing with Colin Kaepernick and, and Bob McNair before he passed away, you know, said that the inmates still control the prison and, and you know, that kind of lit a fire in the news cycle as well. So we've we've seen their ownership group have a lot of issues nationally and for whatever reason they've just been obsessed with you know replicating the patriots and now eric mangini believes that you know adam gaze and matt patricia and uh josh mccannons <laughs> are going to be their coaching group so i don't know man the, the texans are a mess i think before all of this stuff came out you know i had them you know ranked as the third best opening um because of deshaun watson and because the fact that they have you know, a top five quarterback right now and a top three, in my opinion, for the next 10 years, you know, outside of Patrick Mahomes and maybe Russell Wilson, I think he's probably third for the next 10 years. So I just, it's a mess, man. And I don't think he's going to get traded because frankly, there's 
Miami is really the only team that has enough assets to go get him. And uh, I just don't know if Miami is going to do that. I don't know if Miami would be willing to give up with Tua already. Um, I think if Sam Darnold hadn't been so bad, I think that's another team that could make it work with their multiple first round picks. But I, I just think, you know, they've got some work to do to make it up to Deshaun Watson. And I think it would start by interviewing Eric Bieniemy. I think that's probably a good start. Yeah, um, that that would be a great start to trying to to rebuild it. Um, and at this point, if you really want to repair the relationship with Deshaun, hire him. At this yeah. point, <laughs> and and I have no idea what the Patriots are going to do. But you know, the stuff you hear about Eric Mangini assembling the Patriots All Stars, um, you know, with McDaniel's and all those guys, like that's just kind of nonsense. Like I I. I if that happens, that's just so ridiculous instead of really going through a thorough coaching search. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know what kind of mode that organization is going to be. And this is, this is something we'll talk about when we talk about the top six uh, of the coaching openings, but like they could really go into fire sale mode if they, you know, if JJ Watts unhappy and Deshaun Watson's unhappy, you know, and if that happens, like, this is probably the least appealing job, you know, is, is, a, is a coach going to come in there and be like, Hey, I want to deal with all this mess you've created with Deshaun Watson and yeah. you trade away your best receiver. And you have no draft picks because you spent them all on Laramie Tunsil. Um, so it, it's just kind of a crazy um, situation. And I just don't know, like if they're going to have their pick of the litter, they, they seem frankly like the worst coaching opening now with all this discourse in the organization. and. I just have a hard time, you know, thinking they'll be all that desirable. Yeah. So I don't know, man, it's a tough situation and obviously Deshaun Watson deserves better. And I hope that they're able to, to fix that relationship. I just don't know if they're going to be able to. And yeah, I think he might be uh, regretting that extension a little bit. So uh, let's get into our rankings. I'll give my six first. And then, you know, this was all sparked by by your tweet and, and kind of your mm-hmm. joke about the Texans um, kind of, you know, not landing a little bit because people got a little upset about <laughs> the Chargers being second. But that's all right. You know, shit wow. happens. Um, so for me, I'm, I still have the Lions at six. I think they're the worst uh, job of the bunch because, you know, I, I just don't know. There's no you know, evidence of success. There's no evidence of longevity there. You know, they haven't had a coach last more than five years outside of Jim Schwartz. Everybody else has been three, four years. And so there's just no stability there. And of course, you know, Matt Stafford, we'll see what they do with him. He could, you know, be on the move as well. And frankly, they just don't have many good pieces. I think TJ Hawkinson is probably their best asset and he's a tight end. So I just think that roster needs a ton of work. And outside of Matt Stafford, you know, there's really no certainty for the future. So uh, before all the stuff with Deshaun Watson came out, I had the Falcons at five. I'm going to put the Texans at five, you know, for all the reasons that we just mentioned. It's just kind of a mess right now. Uh, so I'll put the Falcons at four. They're an older roster. You know, it, it stands within reason that a new coach could come in in there and, and win now. But, you know, that roster really probably needs to be torn down a little bit and outside of Calvin Ridley and Grady Jarrett, they don't really have many good young players. The defense has been atrocious for really since the Super Bowl birth, even, even during that year. Um, so I got the top, the Falcons at four and then the New York jets at three, you know, really just comes down to the quarterback uncertainty for me, whether they trade Sam Darnold 
or whether they draft Justin Fields. Um, it's just kind of up in the air, but they have a lot of draft picks. They have a lot of cap space. Um, and according to Nick Wright, it's a beautiful city. I don't know. I've never been to New Jersey, but you know, it is what it is. <laughs> um, and then second, I have the Jaguars. This is where I know we're going to disagree. Um, I think there is definitely an argument for them being the best opening because they have a ton of cap space. They have a ton of draft picks. They're going to get Trevor Lawrence, which you know, I believe he's the best quarterback prospect we've seen at least since Andrew Luck. So I, I can definitely see why you and others have them number one. Uh, it really just comes down to the quarterback position for me because we know that Justin Herbert is legit. And so I have the Chargers at number one. And, you know, they don't have to rebuild anything in ter- outside of the offensive line. You know, you have Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, Mike Williams, Hunter Henry, Joey Bosa, Derwin James, Kenneth Murray. So I think, you know, the Chargers have the best future at quarterback because there's no uncertainty there. You know what you have in Justin Herbert. And the roster around him is very, very good to great if you're, you know, feeling a little risky. Right. Um, so what did you think of my list and what is your list? I mean, I think we agree generally on the bottom. Uh, so I, yeah, I would put the Texans or Lions at six. I guess I would put the Lions at six just because they, they don't have many assets and yeah. they don't know what they're going to do with the Stafford situation. Um, that's, that's a tough one. I mean, they do have Hawkinson, but there's a lot of work to be done on that team. Absolutely. And they, they don't have the assets. That's, you know, a team like Jacksonville or even a team like the jets really has. Uh, so I I would probably put the lions at six. The Texans have definitely fallen from like three to five. Um, (laughs) uh, you know, at, at first the dig on the Texans was like, they don't have draft capital, which I, I totally agreed with. But now it's like this Deshaun stuff, um, you know, the fact he's not happy, like that's a real problem. And the fact that this, you know, trust has already been kind of broken ownership and they're going to be hiring the next coach and yeah. they're not interviewing the enemy. Like there's just so many um, things that really go into that complicated situation. And if I'm a coach, I don't want to walk into there knowing that, you know, theoretically Deshaun could be gone and JJ Watt could be gone at some point. Um, that's just a tough situation to walk into. And you added on top of the fact they made this Laramie Tunsil trade, which is which was a win now move, and they're not in a win now position. Uh, so now they don't have draft capital on top of all the other issues. So that to me is why I would put the Texans at five, but you do have Deshaun Watson. So that's a differentiator from the lions. Um, And then number four, I think you could argue jets or Falcons. I would put the jets here uh, just because they still have to decide what to do with Sam Darnold. They have to decide what they're going to do in the draft. Um, I don't think they're anywhere close really to win now. Um, I think if, you know, they get the right coach in there and start to turn around. But I think with the Falcons there, you know, and this is why I have them at three. I think there is that degree of, you know, if you decide what you want to do with Matt Ryan and Julio Jones and you draft a quarterback, I think that's a team that can at least compete for a playoff spot relatively soon. I don't don't think they're going to be contenders by any means because they do have to rebuild that Super Bowl level defense. Um, but it, it, it's not a far away team either. I think if you do have Calvin Ridley and some of these other guys. So, yeah, I mean, then that really brings us to number two and number one. So I put the Chargers at two and I totally get why people would put the Chargers at one. I mean, obviously you have Justin Herbert. 
the Chargers are the team that you look at and you're like, that's the win now team, right? Yeah. If you bring in Brian Dable, if you bring in Urban Meyer, whoever it is, um, that's the destination you go to if it's a win now thing. The only reason that I put the Jags at number one <laughs> is because that is the situation to go where if you want power. I mean, uh, really, it's um, it, it's that kind of thing where they just have all these assets. They have the draft picks, which is just crazy how much they've accumulated. Salary cap, $100 million, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, and you basically kind of get to be the GM. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah. you know, that's not a top part of this we're really talking about, but we talk about Urban Meyer. You know, if Urban Meyer is coming in there, and I know what Sean Khan said earlier in the week and all that, if Urban Meyer is coming there, he is having control over this roster. Absolutely. Um, so that's that's the thing for me is just like I think if you're looking at that CEO type of coach or really any coach who wants to have input, I think the place where he has the most input is probably Jacksonville because they're uh, rebuilding, but also Jacksonville because they have the best assets um, and coaches and uh, teams, general managers are all about those assets and having them. Uh, so the Chargers are definitely the best win now place. But I think because of all the things I mentioned, because of <laughs> because of Florida's 0% state tax, yeah. uh, that's a thing that people don't talk about. But if Urban Meyer is going to be making $12 million, uh, he wants to pay the fewest taxes possible. Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> I, I think that that's you know, something to talk about. So I, I can, you could really put the Chargers or the Jaguars number one. Um, based on different criteria. It's just all about philosophy, right? The Chargers are the best in now team. The Jaguars are the best uh, rebuild team. If you want to have that kind of GM CEO control, uh, I think that's the best spot. So really all comes down to philosophy. Yeah, it really does. And, and, you know, like you mentioned, Urban Meyer or another college coach, like the Jacksonville job is perfect for them because they can come in, have full say on the roster and you get to have all these, you know, draft picks and, and cap space to build a team how you want. And so we kind of saw that with Matt Rule in Carolina. He chose Carolina because that's where that's the place that was going to give him the opportunity to build things in the way that he wants. And that's a huge that's a huge thing for a lot of coaches. And of course, you know, you want the chance to win now and stuff like that. But the opportunity to get all of your guys in the way that you want to and build a team the way that you want to is a huge thing for coaches. And, you know, we'll have to see how this pans out, but I think this is another really good reason why the chargers are casting a, a rather wide net with their search because, you know, let's say urban Meyer doesn't go to Jacksonville, say he wants to just keep doing Fox, but you know, let's say Brian Dable doesn't want to go play, you know, go live in Los Angeles and wants to live in Jacksonville instead. So then, you know, your top candidate is out. So I think this is just more proof of, you know, casting a wide net is the right decision for the Chargers. And really, you know, we'll have to see how this uh, shakes out. Yeah, um, I I don't know why, you know, the, other than the state tax, I don't know why Brian Dable would want to voluntarily live in Jacksonville. <laughs> um, but that is a, that the money is a factor. I mean, with the state tax, yeah. versus California state tax. So, um. Yeah, I mean, I think the Chargers will ultimately have their pick of kind of whoever they want outside of Urban Meyer because that's not really in their control. If the tech or if the Jaguars are really viewing him as the top guy, uh, the only way that I think Meyer becomes available to the Chargers is if you know either Dean Spanos gets on the phone and is like, "Hey, come over here, we'll give you everything," or or he just doesn't get with Jaguars in there in their brass. Um, but 
other than that, uh, I, I think that the Chargers definitely have an incredibly desirable position. And in no way am I saying the Jaguars are a better team. <laughs> like the, the Chargers yeah. are clearly the better team right now. Uh, even if you add Trevor Lawrence on the Jaguars uh, and, what, right. and whatever else in the next right. year, um, I, I just think that that's a spot where you have that control and you have those assets. You know, it's very much like, um, <laughs> you know, I guess the, mm, I, I guess it's kind of like the Sixers job at some point where it's like, okay, you haven't beaten Sims and you can trade for Harden and you can do all these things. Um, but you can basically do whatever you want with the draft picks you have there. And I I just think that that's a tough thing for coaches to turn down, especially people that want control. But there's good arguments on both sides. I think everyone really has, other than Nick Wright, um, has the Jaguars and Chargers at one and two <laughs> in some order. Um, and then I, I, I think the other jobs are significantly less appealing um, once you get past that point, just because... <sighs> I don't know. The Jets have a decision to make on Darnold. The Lions have a decision to really make on Stafford. Um, you, you go down the list. The Falcons with Ryan. Uh, the, the Texans now with Deshaun Watson have to make you know a, a decision, even though their GM just said they're keeping him. We'll have to see what happens there. Um, but the the Jags and the Chargers, I think the Jags have a straightforward path at quarterback. Right, you're taking Trevor Lawrence and you're yeah. taking all these draft picks and putting them around him. The Chargers have a very straightforward path, which is obviously Justin Herbert's our quarterback, and we're going to build around him as well, right? Um, so to me, no matter what, those are the two best jobs, Absolutely. and then every everybody else is fighting for the scraps, and you know the, the Lions and Texans are dueling it out for who's the worst. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally agree with that, man. And Nick Wright's list. You know, Nick Wright does a lot of good things in terms of covering the NBA. I think that's where his, you know, his money yeah. has been made. But I mean, he is just the biggest Chiefs homer I've ever seen. Like he's, <laughs> he's approaching Skip Bayless level of NFL homerism because you know the Dallas Cowboys can do no wrong in terms of you know in, in Skip Bayless's eyes, and that's becoming how the Chiefs are in Nick Wright's eyes. And so, you know, his, his reasoning for the Chargers, I think he put him at fourth was, well, they had to play Patrick Mahomes. And it's like, okay, but, you know, none of these other teams have a clear path to winning the division either, guy. And yeah. Then, and then he gave the Jets, the, well, that's a really nice city. They play in New Jersey. They don't play in New York City. They don't play <laughs> in the nice city. They play in New Jersey. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, they do play in the, the Meadowlands. Um, I mean, you know, I'm sure people, like, I know Odell lived in New York and, like, some bachelor pad when he was, uh, when he was with the Giants, yeah. but... Um, yeah, it, it is in the Meadowlands <laughs> at the end of the day, which is like that awkward area between North Jersey and, uh, you know, New York. So I don't know. I, I, I think it's a decent area if you want to live there. I mean, it's, <laughs> it, it is, it is a, it is a very wealthy area ultimately. Um, so, you know, th there are a lot of players who live there. I think Eli and his whole family live there. Um, but yeah, I don't know if the Meadowlands would be my choice over, you know, Los Angeles and Atlanta. Yeah. Um, but, but you know, the, it, it probably is appealing to some people. Um, well, according to Lou Williams, Atlanta has the best strip clubs. So, I mean, you got to go to the Magic City Wings. I mean, that's that's really <laughs> that's really what it's all about. Honestly, like, yes. look, the, do do the Chargers, um, whoever, whichever coach they got to get, you know, it's all about who has the best strip club wings as we've learned with James Harden <laughs> and, and Lou Williams. So oh uh, the, you got to have that in your pitch to Brian Dable or Meyer. Yeah, absolutely. So 
I think Urban Meyer would have a heart attack in a strip club, honestly. Like that was, <laughs> he, would just, he would just die. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I don't know what honestly, like Urban, I think it, it, it's it's a coin flip for me if he really comes out of retirement because you know, you talk about stress, like handling an NFL team, that's as stressful as it gets in the football business. So right. you know, I don't know. We'll have to see how that pans out. But I do think you're right. Ultimately, I do think it's Chargers or Jaguars are the best jobs. Um and it's going to be a lot of fun. Are you still are you still feeling like Brian Dable is your gut feeling for the Chargers? Yeah, I mean, it's still my gut feeling. Anything can happen, um, you know. And we'll see. They already had the enemy and Brady, as we talked about, and they'll get to a lot more. I just think that's the fit that makes the most sense. And you add in the fact that they still haven't requested Josh McDaniels, which was the rumor um, before the coaching search started. So, you know, has, has Jason Garrett in their eyes become the retread candidate that they interview? I think if they're not going with McDaniels, then that kind of helps Dable and some of these established coordinators a little bit because yeah. they seem to really have had their eye on, on uh, McDaniels for a while. So sort of telling that they aren't now. Um, so, yeah, no, I still think it's going to be Dable or Arthur Smith. Um, I would be not surprised if it was anybody else. It could be Brandon Staley. It could be jason garrett it could be <laughs> joe brady um but I, I think those you know or urban meyer should he fall out with the jaguars um but it wouldn't shock me if it was anyone else matt eberflus is a, is a guy too that i think will interview pretty well uh shout out to yeah. him for turning down the texans yes um <laughs> but it, wise other choice. Than that wise choice um yeah, no, I, I still think it's going to be Dable or Smith just because they feel that they need an offensive coordinator to kind of turn the ship around yeah. uh, and also develop Herbert, right? So I think that's kind of going to be the main focus. It wouldn't shock me if they went in any other direction, but I, I think those two are kind of leading at the top with maybe, you know, if, if it doesn't work out with the Jaguars, someone like Meyer in the distance. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's I think that's how I'm feeling as well with with Dave or Smith. I will say I thought it was interesting. There was a report um, a few days ago that around league circles that Arthur Smith is viewed as the best candidate and not Brian Dable. So, yeah. um, you know, don't be sleeping on Brian on uh, Arthur Smith. I mean, um, because I think he's a fantastic candidate as well. And and he's he's younger. There's no question marks about him you know, having previous offensive coordinator stints that haven't been good because he's been nothing but good for Tennessee. Right. Um, I think he's a legitimate candidate in his own right. So, Alex, any other thoughts before we wrap up today? Yeah, no, um, it's going to be an exciting coaching search. We'll see what happens in the next couple of days. Uh, and, you know, well, I'm sure we'll have a podcast whenever we get more information Yep. Uh, on this coaching search. So, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. And, uh, yeah, NFL playoffs this week. Uh, so that's, that's going to be fun over the weekend uh, to see. You know, fans will get to see Dable versus Eberflus uh, in the first yeah. round of the playoffs. That's that's a fun fun thing for Chargers fans if you're looking at that. Obviously, Philip Rivers is playing, uh, so that's going to be fun. We're all we're all rooting for him uh, to pull out this win if he can. Uh, <laughs> I would be really excited. But um, yeah, no. So definitely, the the main thing that I'm watching on Wild Card Weekend from a from a Chargers standpoint is uh, you know just which coaches kind of stand out in their playoff performances. Cause you know, and does that have any uh, effect kind of in their interviews? So we'll see, you know, what happens there. And uh, honestly, 
I'm also rooting for the football team to beat the Buccaneers because I hate Absolutely. Tom Brady. Absolutely. But, <laughs> but other than that, uh, no, just a fun wild card weekend. And, you know, it's the, it's the first uh, it's the first super wild card weekend where we have three games on both days. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's the first time the NFL has ever done that. So I'm curious to see how it all plays out and if I'm, you know, crashed by like 10 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be, you know, a great long day of football. The Super Wild Card Weekend is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, you know, I think selfishly I'm rooting for, you know, the Colts to win, uh, obviously because of Phil Perverse and Julian Blackman, my Utah guy. Uh, and then Washington football, dude. I mean, Alex Smith, you know, is, is the best Utah football player of all time. So, obviously, you know, got to root for him as well. But in terms of coaching, you know, I think this is a really good opportunity for Chargers fans to focus in because – you know, Brandon Staley, who's a, who's a candidate, you know, coaching the, against the Seahawks this weekend. You have Arthur Smith going up against the Ravens, uh, a little rematch from last postseason. And then you got Eberflus versus Brian Dable, which is probably the uh, the headliner of the weekend. And I think that's going to be a fantastic game. Um, and then, you know, I, I think this is going to be a really fun time for Chargers fans to focus in on some some good candidates. And, uh, and obviously get to watch Philip Rivers in a playoff game. And I'm so, so glad that they ended up making it. Shout out to the Bills for just demolishing the Dolphins last weekend and, and making sure that they got to play the Colts instead. So, you know, I'm, I'm just really excited to see what Phil does uh, with the Colts this weekend. Yeah, I mean, look, Chargers fans have been angry at Tua all year, you know, him versus <laughs> Herbert and all that. Yeah. But shout out to Tua for getting Phillip Rivers in the playoffs. I yeah. He really helped out. Let's so, go. <laughs> you know, let, let's, let's send him a box of chocolates or something. Yeah, I'll, you know, I think that it, it, it's so funny, man. And, you know, Tua was my guy coming out of the draft, but, it, you know, it's been unfortunate that, you know, it's been kind of a beef between Chargers fans and, and Dolphins fans, but it is what it is. Dolphins fans are already calling him a future Hall of Famer, even though he, he's been terrible this year. You know, they're just kind of delusional. Um, <laughs> all right, guys. Well, that'll do it for, for us today. Like I said, thanks and shout out to Nick Hamilton for joining us. And uh, go Colts this weekend. Go Phillip Rivers. And like Alex said, we'll keep you guys posted on any related uh, Chargers head coaching news. And uh, we'll see you next time. See you. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens. And that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com